listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this is, this is the grandest time of the year. I, I'm a real sucker for this time of year. I love... I love these songs, I love this food, I love these colors, I love this season, I love the feel, I love the, the cooler air. There's, there's nothing about this time of year that I don't prefer. I wish it was this time of year, like all year. Um, this is our last Sunday of Advent, and we have lots to celebrate and lots to anticipate. You know, next, this, you know, um, this Saturday, our Christmas Eve service, next Sunday, our Christmas Day service. A few things have happened this week, uh, and we're gonna, you're going to hear more about them. We have a testimony coming up a little later, but so many good things. So I just, uh, just wanted to say, I don't, I don't see her here in the moment. She was just here a minute ago, but the, the Strohmeyers uh, were able to adopt Claire. And um, yeah, that's, that is really, really good news. And I, you know, I saw her up here earlier, and uh, I was just, it's just such a delight. And... Um, and our own uh, Jim Clanton uh, graduated from Florida State University with a master's in social work. Yeah. Incredibly happy for you, Jim. Incredibly proud of you. And, and I don't want to make any embarrassments, but, but Sonny, I saw your birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah just so many good things. Um, this text uh, that, that Sarah read for us... Um, not Sarah that read the first text uh, in the call to worship, but Sarah that read the second text. The other Sarah. There's so many Sarahs around here. Um, that Sarah Lloyd read for us out of Isaiah. It's just the quintessential Advent text. Um, it's a promise. It's a promise to King Ahaz of Judah that God would care for him. And let me just give you a little bit of historical background. So Isaiah had been a, a prophet and... He had prophesied to other countries, and he had prophesied to two different kings of Judah. And you would have thought that, you know, his, his life was, was, was pretty successful. And then the king died. And Isaiah has this call to ministry, this call to become a prophet. Um, he has a vision of God in the temple. And we, we used to sing an old praise and worship song that his, he is high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. Anybody remember that old one? That came out of Isaiah 6. And um, Isaiah has this vision, and he realizes that he's kind of unworthy, he's unclean, he's a sinful man. But an angel comes with a coal from the altar, and, and he kind of cleanses Isaiah's tongue so that he's, he's ready now to speak for God. And God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. But then God says this. No one's going to see you as a prophet. No one is going to hear what you have to say. And your ministry as a prophet will be ineffective. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I mean, that's rough, right? Right? No one's going to listen to you, and you're a prophet. Uh, no one's going to pay attention to you. And, and what you do and say isn't going to have any effect. Now, a lot of us, I think, at that moment would have checked out. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Um, maybe you can find somebody more effective than me, right? But Isaiah responded and said, How long, Lord? 
How long will it be like that? Which I think is about as smart as response as you could come up with. And God said, well, the, um, there will be a remnant. And he's like, oh, well, that's good. So I'll be ineffective for a while, but eventually things will work out. But then God said, yeah, but the remnant will burn down. <laughs> and there'll be nothing but a stump. But then he said, and this is how that call ends. He says, but there is a seed in the stump. A seed in the stump. Now that's, that's almost like a riddle. That's not very helpful. I mean, God could have been a little clearer as to what he was trying to tell Isaiah. But I think at least part of what he was telling him was that even in the midst of utter destruction, even in the midst of what seems like a complete failure, even in like... Maybe you're not like Robbie and you hit the holiday season and it's not, this is the happiest time of the year. Maybe this is a difficult time of the year for you. Maybe you feel lost or you feel depressed or you feel anxious or you feel stressed. Well, listen, Isaiah was promised (laughs) that things were going to be bad. But then he was also promised that there would be a seed. That in the midst of destruction, in the midst of utter chaos... God had a little bit of a promise. And that little bit of a promise was going to grow and grow and grow. And so Isaiah starts his ministry. And of course, as he first starts to speak to King Ahaz, this is the text that we heard. I think Ahaz definitely represents that generation that has eyes that can't see and ears that can't hear and a heart that won't turn. Ahaz is not listening to uh, Isaiah. In fact, Ahaz is, uh, he is in a stress situation. The northern kingdom of Israel, so he's, he's the king of Judah, the northern kingdom, sometimes called Ephraim, sometimes just called Israel, has signed a, a war treaty with Syria, the larger kingdom to their north. And Syria and Ephraim have made a decision that they're going to attack Assyria, Assyria, which is the strongest, most powerful kingdom on the planet at the time. And, but they don't, they're going to attack to their north, but they don't want, um, the Syro-Ephraim army doesn't want to attack Assyria with Judah to their south. That, was, that would be a little dangerous unless Judah was on their side. So they basically came to Ahaz and said, we're going to attack Assyria and you're going to go with us. And he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And they said, no, listen, we're going to attack Assyria and you're going to go with us or we're going to kill you first so that no one comes up from our backside, right? So now here he is. Here's his options. I go to war with the two larger countries just north of me to attack the even larger country north of them or the two larger countries north of me are going to kill us. And in walks Isaiah, the newly commissioned prophet, and says... Here I am, the man of God, ready to give you a sign. And Ahaz does not see him. He doesn't hear him. In fact, what Ahaz says is, I don't need a sign. Um, I will trust in the Lord. Which doesn't that sound kind of holy? Kind of pious? Like Deuteronomy will say, uh, don't test the Lord your God. It seems as though Ahaz is actually following the Torah, but in reality, I don't think he is. In reality, I think he has a form of piety that actually 
strikes a, a, a weird note, a weird tone. Like sometimes when things don't go right for us, we, we try and behave like good Christians, right? We want to be good people because our life is not going the way it's supposed to, because we are stressed, because our circumstances are out of our control, and so we're just going to kind of buckle down, right? <clears throat> well, I'm going to stop saying those swear words a few more times, or I'm going to... I'm not going to have that drink, or I'm, I'm, I'm not going to watch that show, or I'm going to read my Bible because I'm going to be good. How's that working for you? You pretty much settled your life by just trying to be good? All your problems just dissolving away because you just made a decision that now you're going to be good because you're up against a hard time? It doesn't work that way, does it? Right? So that, that kind of, of, of piety that kind of, kind of moralism is not the holiness that God is really calling us to. The holiness that God is calling us to is like that seed in the stump. It's like trusting and holding on to hope despite the circumstances. It's believing in the long game, that, that God is with us and that somehow God will work things out despite what our circumstances are. That's, I think, what we're called to. Not just some kind of, I can just get things right. So Isaiah comes, he's still there, and the king is like, is this guy still here? I told him, I told him I wasn't going to test God. Isaiah said, no king, you don't understand. I'm here to represent God. You can ask for anything from the highest heaven to the lowest valley. You ask for it and God will give it to you. And I think even in that is a coded message. God is in our high points. And God is in our low points. And God is in every point in between. God is always with us. And that is the promise that Isaiah now gives. That a young uh, girl is going to give birth to a baby. And then he goes on. And before the baby's old enough. Oh, he says this. The baby is going to eat cheese and honey. It's an interesting bit of information. And before the baby's old enough to know right from wrong, your problems will be solved. Now, on the one hand, I want to give a certain amount of, um, I don't know, sympathy for the king. Because, number one, he saw this guy and he didn't recognize him as a prophet. He wasn't going to listen to him anyway. He felt like he had to kind of take control and, and, and um, fix his own problems, right? So he, had, he was going to make a a pact with Egypt, the large country to the south, to protect him from the Syro-Ephraim army just to his north and the Assyrian army even, even to the farther north. Oh, excuse me, he was going to make a pact with Syria, he, with Assyria. He was, he was going to fix it himself. <laughs> and, and now this guy comes up and says, a baby's going to be born. A baby's going to be born that eats cheese and honey. I mean, that, doesn't, that sounds almost nonsensical, doesn't it? Like, who, who, can, who can believe in such things? Who can, what, what in that message is there to trust in? Yet, God has said, trust me. From the highest height to the lowest low, trust me. A baby is going to be born. 
how is that going to help a king defend his country against a powerful enemy? Listen, I had an opportunity. You don't have many opportunities in your life to actually hold a newborn. That's pretty rare. It's pretty precious, though. Like, people have asked me before, like, what's your favorite color? I don't have a favorite color. You know, what's your favorite song? I don't really have a favorite song. I don't really have a lot of favorites, I guess. But I do have a favorite smell. And, man, this, this, is, this is a lot of transparency in the moment. Here it comes. My favorite smell is the smell of a newborn. It smells like life. Like, it's amazing how good a newborn smells. And because it would be creepy to, you know, walk around in public and just ask somebody if you can hold their, their newborn, right? I don't do that. I encourage you not to do that, right? But if someone you're close to, if you're in a situation, right, and you get a chance, you should do it because it is precious. It is, it is beautiful. It is innocent. It is authentic. It is, it's just a gift of God. And so because uh, here at the church we run a preschool, uh, we do have a, an infant room. And this, just this week, I had the opportunity to hold a, a three-week-old, four-week-old, and she was about this big, <laughs> and I smelled her. <laughs> and you know what? She smelled just what I thought she was going to smell like. She smelled like life. It was wonderful. There wasn't a single thing that she could have done for herself There wasn't a single thing that she could have done for anybody. She certainly could not have defended a nation (laughs) against a more powerful nation. But this is exactly where our promise comes. God doesn't say to us, I'm going to come and destroy your enemies. God doesn't come and say to us, I'm going to take away all your problems. What God says to us is a child's going to be born And that child is going to be me with you. That child is going to be God in the flesh. That child is going to be my presence in your midst. And you will know that I am with you. Emmanuel, God with us. You see... The gospel passage today, and Sarah read this for us too, the gospel, or didn't read to us, we, we, excuse me, we, we saw it, we heard and read with the children and their silhouettes. But it's the story of Joseph out of Matthew, right? Joseph, your to-be wife, your fiance, is pregnant, and God's the one that's responsible, and you need to raise it. What? I mean, if anything, I think Ahaz and Joseph here can be contrasted because I find Ahaz, uh, excuse me, I find Joseph's obedience to be truly righteous. And I find Ahaz's uh, appeal to look at me, I'm doing what's right, to be self-righteousness. And we have to resist that temptation to be self-righteous and kind of follow Joseph's example of righteousness which at least in the Gospel of Matthew is basically a synonym for obedience. Just obey the Lord and you will be found righteous. And all the Lord is telling us really is don't be afraid. 
put your trust in me and know that this is a long game. Like I know your circumstances might not look good now. And let me tell you, for the Jewish people, the circumstances didn't look good for a long, long time. And certainly in the time of Ahaz and the time of his son Hezekiah and the time after that when the Babylonians came, it didn't look good for them either. But I think that stump that is referenced in Isaiah 6 is Israel burnt to the ground. But I think the seed in the stump is that promise that God gives that in the midst of tragedy, there is hope. And that was the people in the exile. And that was all of those prophecies that came out of that about a voice being heard in the wilderness, make his path straight about a promise of a suffering servant who's by his stripes who are healed and his iniquity is upon, our iniquity is upon him. About the one who was full of the Spirit, as we preached uh, a few weeks ago, about wisdom and understanding and, and glory and might. About the one whose, whose spirit, the Spirit of the Lord will infill him to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the good news, freedom to the captive, Sight to the blind, deliverance to those who are bound. That is why Advent is full of hope, joy, peace, and love. Because love, like the innocent child, is unpretentious. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold faults. It just trusts. And I have a a beautiful, <clears throat> beautiful testimony that I, I want you to, to hear. It is, it is one um, filled with Advent love, with Advent hope, with um, an, uh, a real-life embodiment of Emmanuel, of God being with us. Becca, would you come? Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Becca Pagan, and this is Louie. You might recognize my name as a frequent request in the prayers of the people. While you all have been praying for me for a very long time, you may not know exactly why. So I figured I would take the opportunity to explain a little bit, a little bit more about what I've been going through and how God has answered our prayers. I have a condition called gastroparesis for over 20 years. Gastroparesis is basically paralysis of the gut. In other words, my gut wasn't capable of the strong involuntary contractions that move food through the digestive tract. And so it would take 23 hours for something that I ate to leave my stomach. In addition to gastroparesis, I was diagnosed with total gut dysmotility which just means that the rest of my GI tract did not work. And so over the years, I sought the very best medical care. I was treated by every well-known GI doctor in Florida, as well as New York. 
My condition worsened and I was placed on a liquid diet. After exhausting every alternative course of action, it became clear that I would not be able to continue to sustain my nutritional needs and the doctors told me that if I wanted to live, I would need to have a feeding tube and an ileostomy placed in order to bypass my immobilized stomach. As you can imagine, this was a very difficult diagnosis to come to terms with. I was devastated. I didn't even know if I could mentally handle having these procedures, giving up all forms of eating, and coming to terms with how I would be able to care for myself. I will be honest, this was one of the lowest points in the story, and my mind went to all sorts of crazy dark places. But through time and prayer, I realized I wasn't ready to give up. So in preparation for surgery, I asked some friends to share a last meal with me. This was going to be my goodbye to food. That meal was on November 27th, and when we were done eating, I felt like I had come to terms with my fate, never eating again and living life with a bag. November 28th was surgery day. I didn't sleep at all the night before, knowing that after tomorrow, my life would never be the same again. I arrived at the hospital at 6 a.m. as ready as I could be to check into surgery. This is where things got a little crazy. In preparation for surgery, I had full body x-rays and CT scans. The doctors came in and told me there was a change of plans. The scans had revealed that I had blown two discs in my neck that were pinching my spinal cord and that they couldn't safely do my GI surgery without addressing this issue. However, they were willing to do the emergency spinal surgery if I consented. So I signed all the paperwork, all in a fog, not really understanding what was going on. And surgery went great. After a few days in the hospital, the doctors decided to do an updated gastric emptying study and a small bowel follow-through just to see if the spinal surgery had any effect on my digestive tract. The study revealed that my GI function had more than doubled. Where it had, whereas it had been taking 23 hours for something to empty from my stomach, it was now only taking 11. My small bowel is still slow, but not slow enough to require surgical intervention. The doctors say I have, a, I have to have a similar surgery on my low back, and that may improve my small bowel. Not only did things dramatically improve for my GI stuff, I now have feeling in my left hand, and I'm able to walk without dragging my leg. Never in a million years would I have thought that I would have been walking out of the hospital, being able to eat and not have a bag. On Thursday, I met with my surgeon, and he said he has never seen someone walking around the way I am so soon after surgery, nor did he expect such improvement with my GI. He hasn't seen this in his entire career. He said if I don't believe in God already, then I should probably start. I told him the reason that I am doing so well is because lots of people were praying and God miraculously answered our prayers.
We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.